Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to USTA Florida's Here to Serve podcast. I'm Laura Bowen, Executive Director for USTA Florida, and this week's episode of the podcast, we're going to focus on our neighbors at the USTA National Campus here in Orlando. And I have two very special guests that I enjoy working with immensely joining me today to share their perspectives. First, we have Tim Cass. Tim is the general manager of the USTA National Campus and college tennis for USTA. We also have Alyssa Hill, and Alyssa is the senior director of events and collegiate tennis. Welcome to you both. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Laura. So I always enjoy talking to the two of you, and I I have enjoyed working with you over the past few years. The campus is such a huge entity. It's got 100 courts, and it's very well known. But sometimes I think the human side of how it actually functions uh, gets a little overlooked and maybe lost in some of the discussions about the campus. So I thought I'd start by giving each of you a chance to talk about uh, how you ended up at the campus and what what brought you here? So, Tim, why don't I start with you? How did you end up at the campus? Yeah, th- thanks, Laura. And uh, we love working with you and your team as well. And uh, thanks for the great intro and and referencing us as neighbors. We love being uh, uh, reciprocal neighbors to you all. And um, So the campus for me w- was, uh, I guess, a play on my passion of the sport of tennis. I uh, played tennis as a as a junior tennis player, and then played collegiately at the University of New Mexico, and went on to coach at the University of New Mexico, and then I went to Texas A and M, and I coached there for ten years, and then I went back to the University of New Mexico to be the chief operating officer to kind of run the day to day of the athletic department, uh, and then when this opportunity came forth uh, in Lake Nona, I must admit I didn't know where Lake Nona was, um, had you know, heard about the vision through some some friends within the USTA, uh, got enamored by what this is and, and what it was on paper. And then now to have lived it for three and a half years, uh, I think it's lived up to what it was on paper. And so for me, it was a chance to combine my administrative background and my tennis passion and uh, have a chance to come uh, to be a part of the USTA, which uh, anybody that, that is under me knows I say all the time is an incredible place to work, an incredible organization. And the fact that we can come to work each day to try to grow the game of tennis is pretty pretty cool and special. It is really special. And it's really exciting to be in Lake Nona and to have 100 courts in your backyard, which is, uh, I don't think anyone else can really say that. Um, so I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're the only ones so far. Um, so, Alyssa, I'm going to turn to you. You have a collegiate background as well. So, tell us a little bit about how you came to the campus. Sure. Thanks, Laura. I um, So, I started with the USTA a little over nine years ago. I'm in my 10th year now. Um, and that really was following a career in uh, junior tennis and playing through that system and then playing in college. And then upon graduation, I coached college tennis for seven years. Um, And I just love being around the sport. I think it's truly the sport of a lifetime. And I really found that I was enjoying more of kind of the administrative side of things than being on the court. So um, I was hired by our player development side 
uh, worked there a few years and then came over to Community Tennis, uh, where I worked with Virgil Christian on college tennis specifically. And then one day, Tim showed up and said, I'm going to be the general manager of this place. And, uh, and I tried to convince him why he should hire me to do this event thing. And so here we are, uh, I guess now five, six years later, somewhere in there that we've been working together. And it's just been, it's been pretty amazing. And I think for those of us that love the sport, it was absolutely a place that we wanted to be and something that we wanted to be a part of. So it's been a real pleasure these last few years. Awesome. Well, like I said, it's been a joy to work with you both. I've been here for uh, this. I'm almost at my ninth year anniversary and being able to work with the two of you over the last three and a half years has just been an incredible joy. So I'm I'm really grateful that you two are the humans that really drive the life behind that campus. And, uh, you know, you've mentioned uh, the last three and a half years and, and being able to work closely with you. Um, you know, I've seen that you've pretty much worked nonstop for three and a half years. Um, I really don't know when you take time off, um, but I know the campus was closed in mid-March and it just opened last week. So uh, what did it feel like for each of you to kind of have this long pause that you hadn't really had uh, in the last three and a half years? And maybe Alyssa, I'll start with you this time. How did How did that feel to you? Sure. You know, I think in the beginning, when we really weren't sure how long this quote break would last, um, you know, it was almost, uh, you know, we were able to hit pause for a second and, and breathe and really take in what we have been able to accomplish, you know, through the time we've been open. Um, you know, as we saw that we were going to be continually on a, on a longer hiatus, I think for us, we really took advantage on the events and on the college side of having that time where we didn't have one thing after another to really evaluate what it is that we've been doing, what improvements we could make, um, how we could do things more efficiently. And I think that has proven to be invaluable. And I'm not sure that we would have had that opportunity had we kept going along our same schedule. And, you know, I think our goal is always to provide a world-class experience for our guests and just continually evaluating what that looks like and how we can accomplish that, I think, has been really the biggest uh, silver lining of this break. Yeah, I think there is a silver lining there. And I, um, as I turn to you, Tim, I start to think about, you know, were you busier or less busy <laughs> during the, the break? Because I think there, you know, the perception is maybe you were less busy, but I know from my own experience that that may not have been the case. It may have been you actually were more busy once the break happened. So tell us how, how really you felt about the, the three-month hiatus. Well, sitting here, what is it today, June 12th, uh, and the most exciting thing is Groundhog Day is slowly coming uh, to an end. We opened... Uh, up uh, to the public this past Monday and it's just been nice to have uh, something to, to to see you know I'm sure you were in this it, it was such a planning 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 and, and and when this first happened I believed it was March 14th and I was in Mike Douse's office and and uh, I, I think on the 13th we said 
uh, we're not going to close the campus. We're keeping the campus open. And then on the 14th at four o'clock in the afternoon, we said, we're closing the campus. Everybody out of here, shut it down. And the first thing that went in my mind was, this is going to be like a hurricane. This, this is, this is going to be, you know, six days, seven days, button things up. You know, we've gone through that each year, you know, and then I thought, well, maybe two weeks. Um, and then it got pushed back to a month and then it got pushed back to six weeks. And then I'll be at now or, you know, it was 11 weeks before we opened the doors again. And so there was a lot of planning and a lot of, uh, oh gosh, uh, what's the right word, but it, it was one, one scenario after another in, in all our different spaces. So Alyssa oversees the events. What does that mean? Player development, what's that mean? What does that mean for, for local programming? College tennis was just in the midst of, we have 400 teams, as you know, that visit in the month of March. You know, we shut them all down. Uh, colleges quickly were being affected by uh, the pandemic and also the athletic departments. And, and one of the other hats Alyssa and I share is in the collegiate space. There was a, an alarm that went off. Oh no, college programs are gonna be cut. How can we get involved and help? And what role can we be playing in this? And so to your point, it, it, it wasn't, uh, um, I did work, watch my first Netflix series in my life, but I only watched one of them. Um, I, and I, I thought I might learn how to use Netflix better. Um, and, and in some ways, as our team has talked about this, it has been an opportunity for us to also evaluate the first three years and and to take some some time to maybe replan or or you know campus 2.0 in a way. What where could we make some adjustments? Um, one of the exciting things we're working uh, with you all on is is what does a new the new look of a tournament look like? And um, can you can you have this? Uh, um, what's the right word on the t the tournament yep. desk? The, virtual yeah thank you virtual tournament desk and and is that something that actually could could stay for in perpetuity and be a be an added benefit and um you know this this no touch concept how could that actually help uh grow our sport and and make us better in certain spaces so with with, with tragedy sometimes comes opportunity and i think that's what we've been trying to look at you know hearing you talk about the march 14th date really kind of resonates with me so much about how abruptly the shutdown was and how quickly the change happened. You know, I remember flying back from Fort Walton Beach, I think on the 10th, and I was at the campus on the 14th. We were doing a little clinic and I went home. So the campus was open and I went home and I remember getting like a message from somebody that doesn't even live in Orlando saying the campus is shut down. And I texted them back and I said, no, it's not. I was just there. Yeah. And then I went online and I was like, oh, wait, it's shut down. So it was this very weird environment, like you said, where you went from doing one thing after another, after another, after another, and never getting that pause to all of a sudden it just stopped and tennis just stopped. And, um, you know, again, credit to, to you all for saying, let's kind of use this time to reevaluate and, and I know that you've you've done some really incredible things. And and what people may not realize is that as you're, you know, we're one of your partners. You have always, always been so open to trying new 
and different and creative things from the day that you opened. And it's one of the reasons that we just enjoy hosting our events and you having you guys host our events. And it's one of the reasons why we feel good about bringing our events back to the campus, because we know that you guys are very open to say, let's try something different. Let's figure your problem solvers. Let's figure out how we solve this problem. So um, again, just kudos to you all. And now that the, the pause is over, I think, mm -hmm. I hope, let's kind of dig into the reopening. So you mentioned that you guys have just reopened. It's not your regular tennis facility. We've kind of covered that. So what were some of the special considerations that you all had to make when you were reopening? Like, did you need special approvals? Did you need special policies? What did, what did that look like? Yeah, so, so the, the USTA uh, quickly created what they called a business continuity team uh, and then also at a medical advisory group as well. And, and so once we kind of understood that this was going to be a longer delay than, than normal and then, we, you know, we, we all uh, kind of watched the same news and recognized we're, we're, this is going to be a different world for all businesses once you are able to return. I think our focus shifted to what it, what is that new normal going to look like, and um, you know, and so kind of lock and step with whether it's the the state uh, recommendations or the local recommendations. Uh, we we use those as a template as a governing body, and working with our sections as well, we created some some other return to play guidelines uh, that that were communicated. Um, we played some role in that as a lot of folks did specific to the campus there were a lot of approval processes um, and there are, are some really uh, I think nice things in place that basically fire follow these guidelines but um, so we are requiring masks when you're not on the tennis court uh, you do fill out a health form prior to entering uh, explaining that you aren't uh, having any symptoms. You do get your temperature checked. Um, and then from there forward, a, a bit of it is all the extras we're doing sort of behind the scenes, but in terms of a custodial or cleanliness, uh, the six foot distancing, we have great signage. Um, I hope our customer feels like once they get through that and they get on the tennis court, it's a wonderful experience. Um, and I think there is a nice patience. You know, we've all been living this together that people want to feel safe. And our number one priority is making uh, or creating an environment where our staff and our guests feel safe. And so collectively as a team, many people worked on this plan. It's been fun to see it uh, executed in week one. And it, it's, it's really been well received. So I'm really pleased with that and look forward to adding to it each week we were really opening in a very phased approach and i think there might be a question later about what we're offering so i'll pause there and uh, maybe Alyssa wants to add something on the reopening as well yeah i mean i, I would echo tim's thoughts and i think you know ultimately um you know i think we've seen a shift a little bit in our society where um, people that in these types of situations it may have lost patience um, early on or you know just felt like all these things were a bit overboard I think there's um, at least from what we've seen so far everybody is compliant they get it um, and that's only going to help I'm sure that we're able to continue 
um, to move forward as we really evaluate this every day and look at, you know, ha has anything changed in terms of the number of cases? Are we are we still in a good spot? Do we want to keep things the same, expand, et cetera? But, you know, on the on the facility opening, I think just a huge credit to everybody who worked on that because there are so many nuances that have to be considered mm -hmm. um, on a at a venue of this size. And uh, so just kudos to Tim and, and the rest of the team that really led the charge in getting us back open for business and taking that first step. Yeah, Laura, we, as you know, we've got a, a wonderful day-to-day -day team and it, it's, it really isn't kudos to Tim, it's kudos to, to our team that are super, super dedicated and passionate. And what's funny is seeing some folks, you know, that are, that were in our facilities side of things that when we hired them, didn't even know what a tennis ball was. <laughs> um, and the passion three and a half years later that they have for our sport and some of the email exchanges that have happened over the last 11 weeks about how you know people can't wait to get reopened and how much they miss certain things about the sport and you know one of the facilities guys wrote one of the most emotional notes that i will uh, share at the right time at a coffee chat probably that we have when we get all staff if he'll allow me but just about you know how much he missed the the whole day-to-day -day of it and he wasn't even a tennis person um and, and i think that's so those are some of the good things that i think come out of things like this that's that's the human side right and i i think that's what's so important for people to hear is that it's really easy to look at a picture of the campus and it's it sort of has this aura around it but there's so many people that work so hard and i did see many of your facility staff were kind of posting as they were continuing to do maintenance of the facility while it was closed and the pride that they took in keeping those courts um you know impeccably maintained and and how how excited they were for the return i think spoke volumes yeah. tim you touched on something earlier that i think the audience may not understand because i got some of these questions is that you know, there is a perception out there that this is a private facility and you all get to make all the decisions you want. And there are a lot of private clubs in Florida that either didn't shut down or were, were reopening or shutting down different timelines. But the fact is, is that you all were uh, were required to kind of follow the Orange County guidelines and Orange County was very slow to reopen. And I know I was getting questions from people to say, why don't you guys just reopen the campus? And I'm like, because we have a county and the county actually, you know, sets guidelines. So I think um, it's helpful for the audience to know that you all serve the public and you are a public facility and that it's really important to maintain that relationship with the municipality. So if anything, you're feeling like the other public parks are feeling, not the way that maybe a private facility is. And I want to make sure that we do justice to the, the perception that may be out there that, that, you know, the USTA can kind of do whatever it wants with this facility, which is not so much the case. And I think you guys have done an incredible job of really, like you said, looking at the safety guidelines and making sure that you're good stewards in the community. And I, I'm very proud of that. Well, well thanks. And, and you even know this. At one point, uh, the government officials locally kind of lumped us into an amusement park category. And so we were having to follow the same guidelines and procedures to reopen as an amusement park. And Part of me took that as a, a compliment because we do dub ourselves as the tennis version of, uh, you know, we're, we're in the, yeah, we're, we're in the amusement capital of the world. And so I have used that saying before, 
but I, I didn't really feel like we were an amusement park, you know. Um, and then they did say, sorry, we, we made a mistake. You, you, you aren't in the amusement park. But there was a couple little hiccups like that through the way as, as, as well. Yeah, and I think that just goes to the, the different pieces that people have to navigate. And, and many of the facilities are still struggling with that, to be honest. They're still struggling in their, their local places that they, they have restrictions. And, um, and again, just what you all have to navigate being in an amusement park for a little bit and then not uh, is, is uh, just a unique challenge to, to a 100-court facility versus maybe a, a facility that's like 8 or 12 courts. Well, day one, sorry to jump in there, but day one is our trickle back, and we really are trickling back, and it's limited uh, of what we're doing, but uh, we had 60 hours of court activity day one, and, and I said to everybody, well, if we were a six-court facility, we would have been pretty busy, you know, that would have been 10 hours on six courts, but on 100 courts, 60 hours isn't very much, it was probably the lowest we've ever had, so... Well, that that's actually a really good segue into my next question, which you mentioned earlier, which is, you know, okay, uh, what programs and services are actually available and what's the demand been like? Yeah, so part of our planning was how do we phase this back? And so uh, literally probably 15 iterations of, of this as we went through the 11 weeks, but but, but we landed on uh, releasing this week, simply booking a court and private lessons. And so we have four head pros that are delivering on, on private lessons. The neat thing is from day one to day five now, it, there's been a, a, a nice um, momentum forward in terms of, of the activity. And so I, I think we were at 100 hours, for example. I, we started with 60. Now we're up to 100 and maybe more today. We are just uh, bringing on uh, adult programming starting next week. Um, and that'll be four to one ratios like the, the Play Safe guidelines uh, are doing everywhere. Um, and then the following week, we will start with youth programming four to one ratios. And we open those up for registration this week. And I will tell you, we've had really, really good response. And there's a lot of excitement. And, and I think the industry is excited about this. I know I am is, is <clears throat> we're being very careful to not get too aggressive in marketing or, or messaging right now because we do need to manage the numbers and do it systematically. That being said, there's gonna be an opportunity for us to get more aggressive with messaging. And one of the targets we really wanna go after are the lapsed tennis player or that person that knows tennis is a natural social distancing as a, a athletic uh, person, maybe doesn't, hasn't played tennis, um, but we wanna, we wanna get them involved in tennis. And um, I know I was watching Kelly Ripa and her husband were doing uh, the, the show and they hadn't played tennis and they spent a minute talking about how as a family they decided that they were going to make tennis a priority for their family. And I think that's an opportunity for our industry. And so we intend to be pretty aggressive at the right time with that uh, opportunity. That, that's exciting to hear you say that. We've talked about this, I know, before uh, many times. And I think the another silver lining to the coronavirus situation is uh, families didn't have, they had kind of exhausted their Netflix options. There yeah. was sports on TV. So what I noticed in my neighborhood is everyone bought a bicycle 
and there were so many bicycles and people, but they needed something they could do as a family. And tennis, um, unlike some other sports, is a great sport that you can do. Every, every age, every ability level, there's something for them. Uh, so I know uh, we're kind of on the same page there to say, when we're ready, what do we do to say, encourage people, hey, this is great for your family. Uh, if you played during uh, the pandemic and maybe our facility was closed, come come on in and try it in a different way. We've got something fun for you. Um, so I, I think that's great. I think what I heard you say, uh, this podcast will come out on the, um, the week that you will have adult uh, programs available. So that's really good. And then youth programs to follow. So by the end of June, you'll have all of your adult and youth programs or a lot of them running yep. again, which is a great spot to be in. And I know um, a lot of the facilities are kind of trying to get to that spot where by the end of June, we have uh, a full array of things to offer. So that's that's very, very exciting. Um, I want to shift to events for a little bit. I know, Alyssa, this is kind of in your wheelhouse. Um, the campus with 100 courts is just the perfect location for events. We run all of our section events there, um, and it's wonderful. Unfortunately, coronavirus is not ideal for big events. <laughs> so um, my question to you is, how has your approach to events shifted in this new post-coronavirus world that we're living in? Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, I think going into even starting to evaluate how do we return to events, we all recognize that the priority was to ensure that we could open the campus. You know, so that, that really became everyone's priority. And then shortly thereafter, we started talking about, okay, events, what does that look like? Um, you know, what does it mean in terms of being local versus national types of events? And, you know, all those questions we're not only things that are on our mind, but things that all of our customers were asking us um, who do host events at the campus. So, you know, we went through a, a pretty lengthy process of creating a document um, that's called Return to Events. And we really made it specific to the national campus, um, but certainly has information that other facilities could follow if, if they would like to. And as part of that, we worked with community tennis. We worked with several folks on your staff. We worked with medical staff, our legal team, you know, the list goes on. Um, so it was a very inclusive process, but by doing that, we were really able to set a few new standards and some safety measures um, that were that were pretty uh, quickly approved, you know, because it had been taken from a lot of our documentation and work on, on returning to play. So we're excited um, that we will start back returning to events mid-July. Our first two events will be um, collegiate summer circuit tournaments, which really we feel is the perfect demographic um, to have come back. Um, there will be 64 participants. Um, it's over two weekends in July, so not an overwhelming number. But certainly we felt like it, it was better to go ahead and get started see what we learn, you know, see if the things that we've recommended and suggested are actually able to be accomplished, um, and then sort of go from there. So I think, you know, just getting back out there is going to be really, really exciting. And we're, we are beyond excited that we can be back in our world and, um, and running events, you know, for our customers. I think the other piece to add to that is that as we look at sort of events to come and what does that look like, 
you know, we're, we're going to be constantly following, you know, the CDC, the state, the county guidelines, along with our medical teams to see sort of how we can scale that up as we go along. Um, so I know we're working closely with your team, Laura, on, you know, what that, what that means for Florida events. Um, and we're doing that with, with the rest of the events that were on the calendar for the fall. I think really this, you know, again, to go to a silver lining, um, you know, we are a sport that tends to um, operate off of how we have been doing things for a while. And um, one of our, you know, strategic initiatives at the national campus is, you know, to lead innovation and to deliver tennis like never before. And so that has become, I think, in part of this planning to return to events, something that we're really focused on and things from looking at staggered start times to not having a large tournament desk to really assigning courts digitally instead of, you know, at an assigned spot. So I think all of those things, um, it, this is the best opportunity ever, you know, to try to implement them. And so we're just really excited to get that ball rolling and to kind of see just as programming is following a plan to sort of increase over time, that's the same outlook we have on the event side. I think, like you said, I mean, you guys have been a wonderful partner to us as we start rethinking what our events look like. And it's been very important to say, for all these years, we focused on our events looking this one way. How many people can we get into one space at one time? And and that was really the mentality we lived in. And I think, like you said, the situation just forces us to think differently, use technology differently. And uh, again, just I think you guys are a center uh, for innovation and you, you have the ability to test a lot of things that maybe we wouldn't have the chance to test at other facilities. So it, it is really uh, beneficial to have such a large facility that's really able to implement some different ideas. Well, one, sure. of, one of the things, and you, you're, you're, your team and yourself have been a great partner. One of my pet peeves is trying to bring nighttime tennis into the tournament model, which, you know, we've got 100 courts with stadium court lighting on every court, and some of the best weather in Florida is between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m., and, and that's been a tough one. And so I think to your idea, how do you spread people out? I think using those hours in terms of scheduling is 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 a possibility and a way to leverage the campus and, in my opinion, even enhance the experience. I would much rather play at 7 p.m. than at 8 a.m. Um, but but uh, so so those are things that, that I think we're talking about. And you know, even can you can you get creative with wind draws start where you're cascading one draw into the next instead of everybody arriving on Friday and leaving on you know Monday or Sunday maybe some some division start on Thursday and leave on Sunday another division starts on Friday and leaves on Tuesday but yeah uh, and I'm with you on that overnight thing I know we've talked about that many 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 times and being a softball player as a youth and adult um, Playing softball overnight and in the evening hours was always our favorite. It is cooler. Um, and we used to do overnight tournaments and, and we did pilot one of those a couple years ago. And I, I'm, you know, I think our team, uh, you know, is, is not afraid of a challenge. So um, if we find a demographic that says, hey, we're willing to go 
you know, into the nighttime hours, do a little midnight madness, something like that. I think it could open the door to just a, a different audience than maybe what we've traditionally served over time. Yeah. So I'm with you there, Tim. We'll keep working on chicken. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, so Alyssa, you mentioned about uh, events and that you all are looking to host some events in July. And I know we have been talking to you all about maybe starting some events in August, September and through the fall. So in addition to the collegiate events and our events, are there any other events that you all are looking at targeting for this year and what what might this look like? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we our first priority in looking at the rest of the year was a, to support and make sure that everybody had the tools um, to promote local play and to get playback going in their respective sections. So I think that's step one. And so we're excited to be working with you all on the Florida side of that and seeing what that really looks like and, and hearing about that excitement as it builds towards sectional championships, et cetera. Um, you know, we, we did the National League championships um, were removed quite some time ago. Uh, again, to give that focus on local play. The exciting thing is that a lot of the folks that were supposed to be hosting something in this time that we've been uh, closed have come back and said, okay, can we move something to the fall? Can we find a weekend? Um, You know, we're still looking at the possibility of doing something, you know, with a tennis on campus. Some groups have said, hey, we'd like to host something totally different that for our demographic is really a celebration and a welcoming back to the sport. Um, So we really have a quite full calendar as we look ahead. Um, And I think really we're going to be kind of making those decisions on, it may not be 500 people on a place, you know, but how can we modify it? How can we stagger the starting dates and times? As Tim mentioned, um, using evening sessions and things like that to really try to accommodate as much as, of this as we can while also staying safe. So we have a lot that we feel um, people want to do coming up and we're excited to work through. We're really focused right now on July and August um, and, and getting through that period. And then we'll kind of move to the September and October timeframe, but just so many fun things. And, you know, in working with your team, one of the realizations we've come to is that by really sitting down and digging into, uh, you, you know, what possibilities there are and with both ends being flexible and looking at that, we have the opportunity to make up everything that was missed on the adult side um, in this break and, and really be at 100% for the year, which I think is the biggest win of everything. So that's really our goal as we look to this next period is, how can we help make sure that everyone gets back on the right track with their play opportunities? Yeah, excellent. So we're getting close to the end of our time. So um, I wanted to close with this question and I'll let each of you give your perspective. What would you like to hear from the Florida tennis community that would help you as you continue to work through your reopening plans? And Tim, I'll, I'll start with you. We've always tried to be pretty aggressive with our surveys, guest surveys. Um, We will continue to do that. I think our our ears to the ground with our guests. um, And and again, for us at the forefront is safety. And so we we want to hear feedback and we will will seek feedback formally too. So 
Um, I think uh, whether we're doing a good job or bad job, any feedback's good feedback in, in our opinion. So um, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to get specific this or that, but I think we, we welcome feedback because we think that gives us uh, the opportunity to improve. Awesome. How about you, Alyssa? What would you like to know? You know, I think I think similar to what Tim said, it's it's always nice. We we work a lot on what we think our consumer wants. Um, knowing firsthand from them gives us such a different perspective. Um, you know, I saw some survey results yesterday um, that were from several sections that you know talked about the size of groups people feel safe in and if they're willing to travel. And I think knowing you know those types of answers helps us too and where we land on the size of events that we're going to host and, you know, really just gauge people's interest as we move along. But, um, you know, I think overall, if there are any pieces of feedback or any questions that anyone has, we would certainly welcome those because it, it can only help us to do things better. Excellent. Well, that's actually a really good note to end on. So I'd like to thank uh, both of you for joining me on the podcast today. It's always been a, a pleasure and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Laura. Thank Thanks you for the partnership. For those of you who are listening to the audio only version of this podcast, please be sure to visit the USTA Florida Facebook page where you can see the video of this podcast and leave your comments and questions. We'll be sure to get those to Tim and Alyssa so that they can answer them or provide us with some answers for you. And for a full list of our upcoming podcasts, including the topics and the dates, please visit USTAFlorida.com slash here to serve. Thank you all for tuning in and have a wonderful day.